All right, everyone. We are live with Investor Thrive. This is the Painless Wholesaling Podcast, where we try to make wholesaling painless and real estate painless for you guys. Because I am Nathan Payne, and uh, my goal is to make things easier for you. Real estate can be difficult, especially if you're up against the world by yourself. So that's why I bring on experts like Neil Timmons right here to, to show us the way to show us how to uh, make real estate a little bit easier, a little less painful, all right? So, hey, Neil, thanks for coming on the, the program. Thank you. Nathan, it's good It's good to be here. I appreciate the invitation. Thanks so much. I'm excited. Yeah. No, I'm excited for, uh, to learn more from you. You had me on your podcast a little bit ago, and I appreciate that. So returning the favor, and that's that's what it's all about, you know, networking and connecting, right? That's exactly right. And good. Dude, we had a great conversation when you were when you were on. I know that's uh, that's rolling out e any day now. We, we may have just rolled it out. So I'm uh, uh, if your audience hasn't seen it, I know they, they they should absolutely tune in. We'd had a great conversation and learned a lot about you and, and what you do. Exactly. So it's really it's great. Yeah, I think you just rolled it out. I actually put it on my site uh, where where people could go check it out. So everybody, if you want to check out the conversation and Neil's uh, his own podcast, it's Real Grit, right? Real Grit podcast. That's exactly right. Yeah. You got yeah, it. go check that out. I, I think I think the premise of your podcast is really cool, isn't it? To show people the real deal about it's, real estate investing. It's a real deal, baby. You got it. Yeah, it's you know it's the pullback <laughs> that Iron Curtain. You know, there's so much of what we see, and and Nathan, you you've seen it, and uh, uh, you, I mean, you, we all see it from Facebook. You know, it's not all about Lamborghinis, right? It's not all about. Uh, nah, it, it nah. takes it takes real work, and there's we pull back that that curtain and have real conversations with folks about what it takes to to make it in this business. Uh, and that's and I love what that's what you do, right? That's what you're yeah. you're you're building your your network, your your group, your society, if you will, uh, to make it easier, to make it less painful. Right. Because, because it can be right. Like that's the, that's why I, sure. that's why I do this is because uh, I think there's a lot of gurus, a lot of people out there, if they so-called gurus uh, that they, they portray this as it's an easy thing, right? You know, you're, you're exactly right. That it's somehow wave a magic wand and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and you get this whole thing, you know, it can be real work, but by having conversations and, and, you know, from, you showing somebody how to make it easier. And certainly I do that in the commercial side, show people how to make it a whole lot easier. So you didn't have to go through yeah. the trials and tribulations, the bumps and bruises that I had to go through to, to learn it the hard way, if you will. It can be, it can be easier, but yeah. That's awesome. And that, that's what I love about, you know, connecting with you, Neil and, and others. It's just like, look, we've been through there. So we're trying to like sure. show an easier path, right? Or sure, not, not necessarily easier, but just try to take away the bumps and the bruises that maybe we had and we don't want other people to face if they don't have to, right? Yeah, you're you're exactly right. You don't want to take, think about it. You know, when I, when I think about my my kids, so I've got three kids, 16, 14, and thirteen. When I think about what they go through as a parent, I don't want them to have to experience any pain or any suffering that that I know that they can avoid. Right. So there are certain things right. that I teach them to shortcut to to a, or to totally eliminate those things. Same thing goes with yeah. investing. That's exactly what we're what you're going through. And hopefully we can add some value to your uh, to your folks today with the conversation we're going to have. And I can let's, let's, I can do the same for your audience. Well, I love it. All right. Sounds good. So let's let's dive right in. So Neil, give us a short 30 second, maybe a minute, um, I, I guess, summary of who you are for people that don't and may, maybe never seen or heard of you and yep. they don't know you. Let's let's kind of yep. dive right into yep. that. I'm out of Des Moines, Iowa. So I started my real estate career in 2004. So 18 years ago, my mom got into real estate the year before me. She had been a stay-at-home mom, raised myself, my three younger brothers. So literally like 20 years out of the workforce. She got in uh, as a realtor. I was working at a bank at the time. So she's in a year. We're swapping, uh, you know, comparing pay stubs, if you will, a year into it. And she makes twice as much 
as I make. And so I'm like, I went to school for four years, went to college, get this job, and she made twice as what I might not. So that was it. I, that was my entry point. I was like, I'm going to be a realtor. So I got wow. into I got into real estate as a realtor and it, it felt like a glove. I mean, it was it was home. And so, nice. you know, four or five years later, I became the number one Remax agent in the state of Iowa when I was 29 years old. And wow. shortly thereafter, sold my Remax, took some time to figure out what I should be doing and got into real estate investing. And so that was how wow. I got in, fixing, flipping, went through everything in the single family world you could possibly imagine. Uh, yeah. Beat my head against the wall. Had a lot of success, but uh, a whole lot of hard work work until I stumbled my way into commercial real estate found ultimately where the real money is made. And uh, wow. I've been, been in commercial real estate now for four years and it's, it's my total focus. So why don't you think, I guess more people talk about commercial real estate and that, that might be a stupid question actually, because maybe they do talk about it. Maybe I haven't heard about commercials much. Is, is that true that maybe there's more focus on like being a realtor, wholesaling, like the entry level stuff than commercial? Yeah. You know, I think part of that is because it's so much easier, you know, historically <laughs> speaking, so much easier to get in and wholesale something, right? You think about what it takes to, to wholesale a, a house, like right? all of us have some interaction with a house, right? We either, right. you know, grew up in one, have, you know, even if you grew up in, a, you know, in an apartment, you clearly know what a house is, right? I mean, it's yeah. just, it becomes more familiar versus how am I going to wholesale a 30 unit apartment complex or, a, you know, 10,000 square foot office building. Wholesales absolutely still take place in those environments. Yes. I just yeah. think people's familiarity with those is just is not that significant. And so you, you just start with houses. The entry level is pretty darn simple. The conversation's pretty darn easy mm -hmm. to start. So, yeah. So that's it. You, you think it's more more familiarity that breeds like people going into it instead sure. of just jumping right into commercial where they're like, yeah. look, I don't really know the first thing about an apartment complex or uh, yeah. office yeah. space. Okay. Yeah. I think sense. that's why. And it just becomes so much easier. And then, you know, eventually at some point you, you go through and you graduate, if you will, out of the single families mm -hmm. when, you, when you start hitting a certain number of door count or you just hit enough, hit your head against the wall enough times to, to find the frustration <laughs> and challenging For when, sure. and, and you've got enough knowledge base under you to go, all right, well, it's time to let me, let me start finding a way to add a zero to every deal I do. And how do you elevate up and out? So what would you say for someone's brand new in investing? Would you say, Hey, go, go through the familiarity of wholesaling? Would you say, Hey, forget that. You don't even need to waste your time. Go straight to commercial. What, yeah, what would great you question. I, I think it depends on that person. If you've got some familiarity with commercial and somehow, or maybe you came out of, maybe you're just super comfortable with Excel spreadsheets, right? You've got a background in finance. You've got a comfort level there. I would be skipping the single family side. I'd be going straight into to commercial. Just know it's going to take, it takes longer. It's a team sport as well. So oftentimes it mm -hmm. takes having a partner, having, or having some other people with you to be able to get over the finish line. Hmm. Okay. So let's talk about that. Do you feel like when you jumped into commercial, you said you've been doing it for how long now? Yeah. Four years now. Four years. Do you feel like you could have done it earlier? Do you feel for like, sure. uh, you yeah. know, it was the right timing or yeah. Tell no, me about I, that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all things happen at the right time, you know, so there's, there's nothing worse mentally than looking back and going, Oh, I should have done this. I wish, I wish dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh -huh. I, I believe all things happen at the right time for the right reason, whatever that reason happens to be. Sometimes, sometimes right. it's revealed to us and sometimes it's one of those mysteries of the unknown, right? We just mm -hmm. have to accept it. But okay. looking back, could I have done it sooner? Knowing what I now know, yes, that, that it's not as scary as, not as scary as it really is. It's not as complicated as it really is, but I had to go figure those things out, right? And, and then ultimately make it 
not scary and not complicated to myself. Take all the information and piece it down into a, to a system that's really digestible for my brain to understand. And then ultimately my team to go then use and put it into practice. It's awesome. Okay. So I, I had a question about the spreadsheets and the finances that you were yeah. talking about, that you had a background. Is that, is that necessary? Like do you need to be able to understand Excel no. or, or Google no. sheets or finances. No. Yeah. Tell them. No, no, no. I mean, you don't, you don't have to understand that at all. It, mm -hmm. you know, it would give you a leg up to jump into, if you know, if you, if you had a background in finance or spreadsheets, you, you were super comfortable there. And I was making a decision mm -hmm. to go, do I go into commercial or do I go into residential? That would give you a leg up going into commercial from the get go. Now, if you're okay. in the residential space, you've been talking to motivated sellers, you know how to put a deal together. You know how to craft a deal, you know how to contract it. You just know how to get a deal to the finish line. Uh, you're on level playing field already. Mm -hmm. Are you doing most of your deals from brokers or on market or is it mostly off market and finding uh, those, good, those opportunities? Good question. There's about, I'm going to say roughly 45% of our deals get done off market direct to seller. About 45% okay. of our deals get done off market through a broker. And then okay. about 10% get done on market through a broker. Oh, wow. So 45% off yeah. market through a broker. So you've developed yeah. relationships with brokers where they yes. won't even put them on there. They'll just right. send them right to you. Yeah. Most of the deal flow in this country, I would suggest to you, gets done that way. It's in done the commercial space? In the commercial space. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Brokers, yeah. you know, the, there's no, there's no like MLS of commercial brokerage. I mean, you have, mm. you have Crexy and you have a loop net, but if you think about an MLS in residential and listen, I'm still a real estate broker today. And so, yeah. although I don't practice, we have, we have a firm, you know, we've got, we've got the MLS, we've got the MLS in our backyard. It covers a specific geographic area, right. And people plug into it. Now on the commercial side, commercial brokers do not list their properties there on that machine, on the MLS, it does not occur. Mm. And so, it is done through a network. You know, most of those deals done are either off market broker working through their own buyer list, their own clientele, or they'll take it to market. You'll, you'll see it on Crexy or on LoopNet or on their own commercial websites. And they get done with other brokers, right? They network with other brokers and get deals done that way. So when you say that there's no MLS, is that is that true for the United States or is that just yes. true for Iowa? No, true for the United States. Huh. Yeah, there's no commercial MLS. Wow. You have the wow. residential I MLS, which the National Association of Realtors, right? Everybody comes through that, that umbrella, that vertical, if you will. It's all residential driven. Wow. But okay. I thought, I thought there was, yeah. well, that that's very interesting. Okay. So when they do put, you, you yeah. said that 5% came on, uh, from on market on the ML, did you, didn't you say 5% went on the MLS? Yep. Yeah. 10% from on market okay. properties. So you'll see those on Crexy or LoopNet. If you want to call those the MLS, this is close to an MLS. I'm using that in quotes because mm. it's, it's really not the same. It's as yeah. close to a national MLS as it, as it gets. Why, why is that? You think they would do that? Uh, because if you think about the residential real estate agents, you know, most of those people, uh, you know, the overwhelming majority of houses listed by an agent are sold by another agent. So almost always are there two agents involved in every transaction, overwhelming okay. majority. And on the commercial side, it's just not the case. You know, people have a clientele of buyers. It is significantly relationship driven. And in what you, what one has to know about a property is much greater than what one has to know about a house. And so that's why you find people oftentimes working with the one agent, not having their own agent. You're, you, you typically percentage wise, there's one agent involved in those transactions. Wow. That's sounds like my kind of game. I'm all about the relationships. That sounds yeah, right. Fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Because you know, think about, hey, what's your the likelihood of you going and have a residential agent who can find you deal after deal after deal that are good mm -hmm. deals for you to go rehab or wholesale, whatever. Like they don't come across though. That's not what they do. They stumble across those when they're in the process of listing retail properties, right? Yeah. But a commercial agent who would specialize in whatever that happens to be, apartments, industrial, office, self-storage, whatever whatever that specific asset class that they would specialize in. The odds have it that they come across a deal that lines up for you, probably pretty darn good because they specialize in an asset class and they're looking for deals for opportunities for other investors to place dollars and cents. Hmm. Wow. Okay. And so you're, you're mainly, are you buying these when you're in commercial? Are you lining these up with, are you, are you, are you like doing the agent thing? What, what are you specifically no, no, focused no. on? Yeah, in your yeah, commercial? Yeah. So, so I happen to have, I happen to be an agent, but I do not, I do not practice. I do. We have a brokerage. And so our, our brokerage, other agents sell houses and do, do various things. Right. But that's not what I do. Uh -huh. No, I'm an investor through and through. There's two sides to my business. Well, really three sides of the business on our investment side, you know, we buy commercial property. So I focus on really my backyard of Des Moines, Iowa. And we'll buy one of six major asset classes, you know, apartments, self-storage, mobile home parks. In fact, we just closed in a mobile home park a week ago today. So we just bought our very first mobile home park. Um, How do you feel? Really darn good. I mean, I'm I'm excited about about it. We're going through. It's going. It's going to. It's going to plan. You know, first weekend. You're like, all right, let's get all these ducks lined up. Get them. Get them all lined up in a row. It's going. Uh, awesome. It's going really well. So, congrats. Uh, I think that's awesome. Yeah. No, man. I'm I'm pumped about it. I appreciate it. Yeah. America's last stand at uh, at affordable housing. It's really good. But you know, self storage units. We own self storage units as well, office and retail. So we were was really it scary focused on. To, was it sorry? Was it scary to get into this? I mean, it sounds like you're doing some big moves. I mean, I'd be a little nervous. Uh, yeah. You know, about, my first, you yeah, no, good question. My first property into this was an eight unit apartment. So, you know, I'd been in houses, the other side of our business, you know, the second side of our business is we still fix and flip. I'm not really involved in that, you know, proceed mm -hmm. process wise. Uh, my team is. And so we still fix and flip. It's still bread and butter knowing that the housing market in, in my backyard super well. And so that's what four years ago, that was my first step into it. I bought a distressed eight unit apartment complex, still own it today. And to move out of single family into an eight unit, it wasn't that big of a step. It wasn't that big mm -hmm. of a leap for me. It wasn't that scary. Now, fast yeah. forward the the next uh, the next year, my second purchase was a I'm I'm rounding say a seventeen thousand square foot industrial building in which the largest grocery chain in my city operates <laughs> a bakery out of. Now that was oh. that was different because it's a different, totally different asset, different analysis. I took getting some understanding. And then from there, it just, just snowballed in terms of from there. I was like, all right, got a good grass. Now, what else? How else can we buy? Bought a, bought a, wow. a retail building and then have just snowballed in terms of what, what we bought. When you're buying these properties, are you usually buying them? Are they distressed themselves, like the, the properties and you're rehabbing and getting them up? Or is it the distressed seller who's like, hey, look, I'm just done? Or what, what are you really finding uh, when yeah. you're trying to buy these? No, that's a great question. Yeah, we're trying to find what I call capital multiplier opportunities. And so what I mean by that is, yes, sometimes it's a distressed seller, but that's rare. The very first one I bought was a seller. He was not distressed. He was like emotionally distressed. So it mm -hmm. owned the property for like ever. And like nine inches of rain came through the city in about a 90 minute period. It was an eight, eightplex and mm -hmm. top down, four, four up, four down. And the bottom four had taken a lot of water. And so overnight, the four tenants moved out because the bottom oh, four man. units took a lot of water. And so the bottom four tenants moved out and he was like, I'm done. And so at that point, we were, I was dealing with an emotionally distressed seller, if you will. Yeah, not not financially, not financially destroyed. Yeah. Owned it free and clear. Yeah. For years and years. 
And so at that point, went in and, and did that. Now past that, what I'm looking for are capital multiplier opportunities. By that, I mean, how's, how can I we go in and invest you know, a little, meaning we buy, well, when I say a little, I mean, we buy a property, whatever the size it happens to be, we put a percentage of it down, right? We'll go get a loan, mm -hmm. put a percentage down and we'll make some tweaks to it. Can we increase the income? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes you're in a lease that's multiple years long. That's not changing. Can we reduce mm -hmm. the expenses? Oftentimes, yes is the answer. So cool. My goal is to increase income, reduce expenses so that the bottom line grows and we get a multiplier effect. No, I was just going to real quick. I had a question about reduce yeah. expenses. Like what kind of expenses could you reduce on like a industrial giant building like or is depends, it yeah, depends or? it depends on the property that's a good question industrial is probably not the best example of a, of our ability to to reduce the expenses our intent there is to buy those just super well but let's okay. say for for example we bought a, uh, a strip mall a strip mall that had the income fixed so i couldn't do anything with that but the expenses could be so renegotiate garbage contracts well, I'll give you an example mm -hmm. of how we multiply the value of a property. I just renegotiated the garbage contract on the mobile home park we just bought. Wow. It took me, ready for this, Nathan? Took me seven emails, seven emails. <laughs> I renegotiated the value or the, the price of our contract by about $3,300. Okay. And at an eight cap, so we're actually have decided to resell this uh, mobile home park, and I'll tell you why in a second. But mm -hmm. at an eight cap, it added just over $40,000 of value to the property. Wow. That's what I mean by that capital multiplier opportunity. We'd simply in about 15 minutes and seven emails have increased <laughs> the value of the property by $40,000. That is amazing. So, That's so cool. And that probably felt really good. <laughs> yeah, we're executing on that in a couple of different ways on that mobile home park. And in fact, we bought it a week ago today. It goes for sale tomorrow. Paid five fifty two for it. Again, I'm rounding. It goes for sale tomorrow at one million one hundred thirty one thousand because of the changes that we've made in the property already. Wow, in a, already in a seven day. Already in a seven day period. Right. There's now, some. Uh, once you understand this, there's low hanging fruit. Can anybody email the garbage company and ask for a new price? Like that's you easy, you right? You didn't want to hop on a phone call. You just went easy with it and just sent an email. <laughs> so simple. Awesome. I mean, anybody can do that, right? There's a bunch of, there's some low hanging fruit. Uh, and on this one, seriously, low hanging fruit to be able to do. That is, that is really awesome. I love that, that you're able to do that. And um, so, so let's talk about, uh, so you got mobile home parks, you got, uh, you know, industrial units, multi-units, uh, Man, it's just you blew my mind a little bit with that that one. I'm trying to trying to yeah. understand that just off of something like that, you're able to increase the value that much. Now, are you are you buying these with cash most of the time? Are you getting funding? How do, how does the funding yeah, work? Yeah, it, it varies. Most of the time, we're getting funding. Most of the time, we're borrowing. Okay. Most of that, okay. you know, it's by preference to buy, own, and operate, keep a property, and the industrial buildings are perfect for that. So you asked a really good question, Nathan. You asked how can you how in the world you got an industrial property? How can you reduce the expenses? And the answer is oftentimes you cannot because we're in a triple net lease. And what I mean by that is that the tenant pays all the expenses. And so the rent we get is our net income, right? Expenses, there are no expenses. So what I'd love to be able to do is take a property like the mobile home park, which is more management intense than a industrial property, is to take mm -hmm. a mobile home park to churn that into cash and then and put that put that cash to work in an industrial setting where my management my time energy effort is near zero on an annual basis. Wow. Do you usually try to um 
do you try to get the seller when you're working with them off market to uh, finance you if they own yeah. it outright or yeah. do uh... yes. yeah you know that is that yes that is the goal some uh, rarely we've been able to do it once um and i can uh-huh. tell you about that deal that was a really great deal so yes i would love to do it i would love i would love to tell you they all do it so we'd be able yes, to get yes. it. it's just it's just not that often and sometimes you know why because they still owe on the property they still owe a really good chunk and sub twos in the commercial world don't look like anything look like sub twos in the in the residential world because commercial loans and residential loans are not the same the the ability uh-huh. to call a commercial loan is significant so they just don't happen that often yeah so so if someone was thinking sub two was the play then it's a, it's more difficult because of all the the qualifications yeah. i guess or they can call it due easier they can call easily. it they can call it due and every year on a commercial loan you have reporting requirements meaning every year in all my commercial loans i have to provide them tax returns i have to provide yeah. them a whole a balance sheet i got to provide them a whole bunch of information so they see what's going on and if you were to not send that because you did a sub two mm-hmm. they're going to go look at the transfer and go all right we're calling the loan due you're they're done just, for. They're just they're just on top of it versus on the yeah. residential side. Different story. Uh, so you asked a question. We if you've got time, I, I'll be happy to give you another example on our self storage. I love I love talking about this. I think this is yeah. amazing. It's awesome. So I've been, did a self storage deal with a partner. So the third piece of my business is you know we have an education business where I, I teach and train people how to get into this industry. And so I on occasion Perfect. I partner I I buy a property with a partner in another, their market their backyard. So mm-hmm. I buy a property with a partner, uh, self-storage units, about 152 self-storage units out of Indiana and just outside of Indianapolis, a suburb there. That particular one, we ended up negotiating. It was a $1.4 million purchase. We negotiated a seller financing carryback of 1.2 million. So we put $200,000 down, negotiated seller financing, interest only at 5%, Mm -hmm. interest only financing 5% for 20 years, Nathan. Nice. Nice. 20 year, 20 year. So, so it's, and then I, I, I sweeten it up. We did a couple other things on top of this. We it's non-recourse, of course, right? Non, non-recourse mm-hmm. it's transfer. For the listeners yeah. that might not know what that means. What, what do you mean by yeah. non-recourse? Non-recourse means that if we default, right, something happens, we can't, we can't pay for whatever reason, something just, it doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. And we decide, Hey, the, we're done. We give the property back. And our $200,000 down payment. That's, that's the only money they get. They don't come, they don't get to ask for more money. Unlike a bank, you're gonna go buy an industrial property. You're going to sign personal recourse, meaning if they, you default on this, you foreclose, they foreclose on this. They're coming after you. Yeah. Like that's a person. Is that a same thing as a personal personal guarantee? guarantee. You got it. Yeah. You got it. All right. So 1.2 million non-recourse and I made it transferable, which means this, Nathan, we sell the property, you know, we, we get this thing up, sell the property at profit. We can move that debt to another property. Wow. So I can take that $1.2 million, you know, save, we, you know, make up a number. We sell it for 1.5. We're going to get $300,000 in cash at closing. Great. I can then take that $1.2 million debt. I can go buy another property and take that debt with us. How were you able, to, was that something you had to agree with, with the seller to be able exactly. to do? To take, yep, yep. Was to take his, his debt. Is that right? Yeah. To take to take the debt. Yeah. To take our, the note, the money we owe him. Right. Cause what he became super interested in is he wanted cash flow, not cash now. Okay. He was loved the idea of, Hey, I have a property that I know, like, and trust. I know that property. I'm comfortable with that property, the self-storage unit. And mm-hmm. I know it, it cash. I know this thing works. So if you want to give me 5% interest only, and you want to do it for 20 years, that, that sounds great to me. I'll just live off that cash flow. Wow. 
That's amazing. 5% and what was at 1.2? So he was, he was, uh, making quite a bit on that. Yeah. So now he's making 60 grand a year, right? 60 grand a year on interest. And he's thinking, oh man, I get paid off $1.2 million in 20 years. I get a giant payday. Nathan, what have we Mm -hmm. seen in the last 12 months when it comes to inflation? Uh, you know, prices going up, prices going up like crazy. So a, a dollar, a dollar today is not worth a dollar a year from now. And it wasn't worth a dollar a year ago. Right. Mm-hmm. So $1.2 million, would you rather have $1.2 million today or in 20 years? I'm, I'm, guessing, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm guessing with the inflation at seven or 8%, you'd take uh, $1.2 million today. Cause if I can go take $1.2 million today, invest it, it's going to be worth a whole lot more 20 years from now. Right. Versus just waiting and then getting that. And it's, you know, you're saying worth less, right? Absolutely worth less. Yeah. And yeah. in, in, if you invested that correctly over the course of 20 years, you know, put it into a model, it's probably worth half as much, probably worth 600 grand. So in my mind, we're paying them in 20 years with significantly discounted dollars. So for him, do you think that was a smart move on his end to just take uh, the cash flow and it's, what do you think? Uh, it's his, it's his comfort level. We, you know, that's a good question. Everybody always asks, you know, when somebody sells a property, when somebody buys a property he, in his mind, I think he felt like he got a really good deal and that's right. great. Cause that's exactly what he wanted, right? He wanted cash flow and he, and he's yeah. comfortable with it. That's, that's terrific. I just have a, I'm viewing this from a very different perspective. His perspective is I want to go sale and I want cash flow. Well, it's terrific. He won in that scenario. I am the investor. I'm not interested in sailing. I'm not interested in the cash flow from a sale of a property. I'm interested in buying mm-hmm. a property to be able to get a high higher rate of return to have a capital multiplier property where I can invest a little and I can get a whole lot back because we got our money compounded. And I think I in that scenario it. becomes a win-win for both of us. I love it. And that's what it's all about, right? It's finding opportunities where everybody feels good about it. Uh, so everyone can walk away. So you're not necessarily looking for, you did you say you're not, you don't really care too much about the cash flow, like making a certain amount, but you want, is that, is that what you said? Just that, yeah. In that like scenario, I'm just, I was trying to distinction between his cash flow. That's all he cared about. And ours, you know, I'm not interested in sitting on a beach and cashing checks. I'm interested in going, uh-huh. buying a deal, right. That uh-huh. does produce us cash flow that produces us a high rate of return. Yeah. Cause, cause I think sometimes I've heard of investors that like purchase properties to uh, avoid taxes. And, and I don't know if like you take on deals that don't cash flow or maybe you're losing money in order to just like uh, help with taxes. I, I don't know too much about that yeah. stuff. That's a little above yeah. me, but I just didn't yeah. know if you look at deals like that and you're like, this isn't a good deal, but it would help me out. The, the old saying is know. cash is king. And I think the, the, the correct saying is cash flow is king. The ability mm-hmm. for a property to properly cash flow flow for you to pay your debt and you to pay your investor or yourself back and and or just pay yourself on an ongoing basis. I think that's that's key. I don't ever buy anything. I in my mind those tax benefits are a cherry on top. They don't make okay. the deal. They just make the deal better. All right. So you're not really buying for at for that reason it's got a cash flow. It's got, got it. a cash flow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, it, for me, it's never made sense to just chase that tax benefit because if something negative has a negative cash flow to it, um, uh, you're, uh, in my opinion, one speculating just doesn't, yeah, just doesn't make sense. Well, you know, without doing deals like you have in this, this commercial space, my concern in doing this would be like, what if I bought a strip mall and then nobody wanted to go to that area anymore? Would I be stuck with a property that I can't, you know, nobody wants to pay rent on? Like, have you had that thought too? Like, do you do a ton of research to be like, no, this is a good area? Like, yeah. tell me about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. It, no, you, you'd want to do research. Yes. Now, I mean, think about a house. If, if, if you buy a house to rent it, you, most people don't have a thought like what happens if nobody wants 
wants to rent it. Now, what yeah. happens, right? There's some percentage of vacancy, right? Two, three, four, five, six, seven percent, depending where you are. Some some markets it's higher. That means you know every so often it's going to be vacant for a period of time. Well, the same is true in commercial. So how do we minimize that? Go and understand the market, do a deep dive, have a clear understanding of what the vacancy looks like. And we budget for that. I put a line item in there to specifically budget for vacancy, knowing that sooner or later, any property that we have is going to be vacant for a period of time. Oh, okay. So you, you plant, put that inside. Yeah. Okay. It's, okay. That Absolutely. makes it just like, just like a normal. Yeah. Just uh, like yeah, imagine a, a budgeting for, uh, you know, your roof to go bad or your furnace to go bad. Right. Yeah. Or you're, yeah. or you're going to have to pay your debt. I budget for that too. Budgeting for the fact that it's going to go vacant. Same thing. I love it, man. This sounds awesome. I mean, I, I, I haven't really dived into the world of commercial because I mean, it's, I mean, I just went right into well, wholesaling. It feels, right it feels well it, that it feels so scary. So overwhelming. It's hard to understand. It's, it can be quite intimidating. The world, uh, the, the verbiage that one uses, the lingo that one uses, it can be, it can be a lot. It can be too much to take in. And so, you're you right. know, what I've, what I've done is we created our education program this year to help folks give a lot away for free to, for them to mm -hmm. have an understanding of how do I even get into this? How do I break into the commercial real estate industry? How do I just get my first building or my next building, whatever that building happens to be. And so, you know, I'd be happy to, to give, you know, if, if folks want it, I'd be happy to give them away a, a free resource so they can understand it. You know, how do you 100%. get rich in this? Yeah, man. How do you get rich in this? What I call the 20 X niche. And what I mean by that is for us, the average, the average house in this country, cash flows $150 a month as a rental house for us. Our line is $3,000 a month. I don't buy a property unless the cash flows at least $3,000 a month, 20 times that of a single family house. So getting rich in the 20 X niche, you guys can get the, the, the free report. I wrote this this piece. So let me give it to you. It's uh the website is legacyimpactpartners.com forward slash gift G I F T. Legacy Give me Impact. that give me yeah, legacy. I'm actually writing it down. Legacy Impact Partners .com okay. forward okay. slash gift gift and i'm gonna I'll, I'll throw it in there see if it came across that that chat for you there yeah, i actually did so i got it i got it scrolling across the bottom here if you there can you see that so tell me what is this that you're giving out um if this is a way to yeah go ahead yeah getting rich in the 20x next i i'm ultimately i call it the capital multiplier property secrets revealed just to give hmm. you a deep dive understanding about how do you get into this industry? How do you, how do you break in and how do you take advantage of these types of deals and get that, get that free report. You know, I'll certainly, we do some free classes every so often. I know we're going to have one coming up in January. Uh, registration's not open yet, but certainly if you get that free report, you'll be on the email list. And when we get that free class, that's opening, uh, that'll open up here in the coming weeks. I'll make sure I email you guys so you guys know what's available and, and you can take advantage yes. of it. Totally, totally free. Uh, so you guys can get a really good understanding about, about what this is. And then in the free class, actually how to do it. Cause I will give away actual resources to actually it. be able to do it. So let me ask you this. So with this information, you, you think someone like going to this site, I haven't gone there yet, but you think they could start taking a little bit of action? Yeah, I think you can definitely take some action. I think the report will give you a really good understanding. You'll have mm -hmm. some ability to take action. Yes, but I, you know, I think the, the class that's coming up with certainty, because we've, uh, I've done it multiple times here this year. I know with certainty that that piece will get you right on the perfect track to take action. This will get you a better understanding to go, Hey, maybe is this for me? Is this something that even gets me excited about it? Because if you don't get yeah. excited about it, it's not for you, right? Because we only do things that we get excited about. That we, right? That's right. We plug into it. Right.
So that that'll get you better understanding. Do you wholesale uh, a lot of your uh, commercial properties you get under contract, or do you just take like to take them down if they're a good great, deal? Great question. We have. I'm going in my memory bank. We have double closed. Uh, we double closed an apartment, one two apartments this year, mm-hmm. and one was like $124,000. One was like I'm rounding. One was like $136,000 mm-hmm. net here. So we've double closed. So you're at 250,000 roughly there. Oh. Yeah, we have awesome. another one under contract today, which we will likely assign. And okay. so, and then we've had, we have taken, you know, closed and resold other properties, but A- any reason for the double close versus uh, just assigning those two? Uh, it just became for, for those particular transactions. It just became a little, a little easier, a little cleaner. Yeah. Cl- cl- cleaner. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Well, Hey, I, I think what you've, you've given us uh, to the community, the, the, the painless wholesaling, you know, uh, best drive community. I think you've made getting into commercial. If that's anything that people want to do, I want to do it. I think you've yeah. made it less painful, right? And yes. you've made it, you've done, you've helped us out me being in this industry for like four years. Uh, that's, that's how long I've started and I have no idea. So you've taught me a lot today. And that's awesome. No, I appreciate no, it. No, it's great, man. Hopefully I, I, I appreciate that. Hopefully I was able to add some value to your, to your folks here. And, uh, and I love what you do, man. Your, your ability to, to do this, to share with the world, um, and make things easier. It's, it's great. So keep up the good work. That's the goal. That's what we're here for. Well, Hey, I appreciate your time. And I, I mean, I'd love to have you back in the future. I think anybody that needs to reach out to you, what would be the best way to get to get to you? Is it the website and they can contact you from there? Or what's the best way that yeah. they can reach oh, out? Just, uh, get, get me on. Uh, that's definitely get on there. Cause you'll get on an email list. And then that way, that's how we'll get you emailed out when we open up registration for the fully free, uh, masterclass that's coming up here in January. But if you want to hit me up, hit me up on Facebook. And that's probably the absolute best way. That's probably the most, the social network I'm uh, most active on. Perfect. All right. Well, it sounds like you're a great resource for commercial. Now, this is the last thing I wanted to ask you. So when we talk about commercial, is commercial like an umbrella? Does it uh, like cover multi-unit industrial? Does it cover everything? Because sometimes I I kind of separate multi-family, but it sounds like commercial multi-family are together. Yeah. Commercial is all encompassing. It is, it is everything, you know, relative to multi, to multi doors, it's five doors up gets classified as commercial. And then, you know, my, what do I focus on is really the six major asset classes inside of commercial so there's a whole everything falls under there we focus on the big six that that are like 85 90 of all the markets in this you know all real estate in the country so i understand you can do all of them but if you were to be known as like one one thing what would you want to be known for would it be mobile homes would it be multi-units would it be industrial like storage oh, units great, great question what do i want to be known for the person who helps people break into commercial real estate that would be the one thing i'd want to be known for and help them Love find it. their asset class we've got a wonderful asset class and you guys will get this in the master class the ability to figure out what asset should I be in? Right. For some people it's industrial, it's mobile homes. It's, it's whatever, whatever it may be. And we've got a fun tool that some people come in and go, Oh, I think I want to be in this. We've got an awesome tool that we literally have people go through, fill out questions and then have a scoring mechanism that scores it up to rank your top asset classes, top to bottom. And you go, Oh my gosh, I totally, this, this, you know, when you understand the benefits of the asset class, that's what gets you excited about it. That is exciting. Cause you know, my, my limited knowledge of the commercial space uh, was like, I thought you would have to just really hone in, but it sounds like you, uh, you kind of give the options and you let people know 
what asset class is best instead of just being like, hey, mobile home, I'm the mobile home guy. This is all you need to do. Yeah. Sounds like you you help people decide what's best for them. That's awesome. Well, here, here yeah, here's why. Nathan, if you found a, a house, a townhome, a piece of land that was a deal, would you buy it? Yeah, of course. Well, I so a mobile home park, self-storage unit, office building, if it's a deal, I want to buy it. I just had I'm in I'm in Des Moines, Iowa, it's five hundred thousand people, plus or minus. My comfort level is my backyard. And so I just had to get really good at finding deals and really good at understanding multiple asset classes. That's my comfort level. And I don't want to let a good it. deal, right? If you turn over if you turn over a good deal, I don't want to let a good deal walk down the street past me. I want to I want to put that baby to bed. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I agree with you. Well, we'll have to have you back. I, I, I honestly, uh, maybe we can talk after this podcast a little bit. Uh, we can, after we end this live, because I want to help you promote your masterclass. If, if, if I, if I can oh, help you wonderful. out. That'd be great. Yeah. I appreciate cool. that. Thanks so much for having me. All right, everybody. A anytime. Everybody we're out. It's great having you on Neil at uh, reach, reach out to him. If you need him. talk to you guys later. Bye.